0: Blog talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining me today. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Uh, if it's your first time tuning into the show, uh, welcome. If you're returning, I guess also welcome. Uh, okay, so we're going to talk today about a couple different things here. Uh, I'm going to give you a little info about me real quick and then we'll kind of launch into today's uh, uh, show. Again, My name is Jim Ventura. I am a professional navigational consultant. Uh, That means my expertise is in uh, astrology, numerology, uh, tarot, runes. I read a number of different types of oracles. I've done that for many years. I do private consultations, uh, uh, navigational consultants with people here in my home office in Phoenix, as well as by phone. Uh, If you want any information about any of my services, uh, please go to jimventura.com. And you can check out all that good uh, info there uh, at the session. Uh, okay, so I'm also a published author, of course, a couple of books, uh, as well as my monthly column called Snake Oil. In fact, uh, today's uh, show is going to be a live column read. I'm going to read this month's uh, brand new column, and we'll talk about it a little bit more detail. Uh, this is not going to be a call in show, uh, just to kind of reference this point for everybody. Um, some of the shows I do five-minute little mini-reads on air. I don't do that very often. They're generally connected with the uh, astrology update shows. So I will be doing one of those next week. Uh, if you call in to the astrology update show, first half of the show, we update everyone on basic astrology, and then we uh, I take a couple of calls for the last uh, 15, 20 minutes of the live show. Okay, so I'm going to do a live column read today. Uh, again, if you're not already getting my uh, monthly newsletter, email me at Venturasage at yahoo.com. Again, all that info is on the website. You can get my columns uh, sent to you monthly. Uh gives you, of course, uh, discounts on sessions, and you can read my columns and all the other good information that's available that way. Okay, so again, this is the uh, beginning of the month of November, uh, and I'm going to do a live column read. Um, and then I'm going to talk about this in a little bit more detail uh, and, and some other things that are, are connected with the uh, with the with uh, this particular column. Okay, so let's get my column out here. Okay, so this particular column is called Dr. Doolittle. For the last few years, I've made a point to post a specific message for my local clients to be aware of the possibility of a few cats on or under my stairway. There are six apartment ferals that some of the residents of my condominium complex feed on a regular basis. I have fed them consistently for about four years now. My stairs are definitely one of their favorite hangout spots. Even from personal experience, I know it can be unnerving to walk up the stairs and see a cat or two jump off the stairway running. It is sort of comical and probably gets a few of my new and more superstitious clients to feel even more nervous when a black cat is part of the introduction. The cats are all fixed and actually fairly friendly. A few of them even let some of the residents pet them. Almost all of them let me pet them, and a few of them want me to do it even when I am not handing out food. They, like all animals that were bred to be part of human families, just need affection and human touch. They swirl around my legs happily when I go outside at feeding time and show little or no fear of me at all. I've been called Dr. Doolittle by people a number of times in my life, and and I take it as a compliment. Uh, Dr. Doolittle was a fictitious character from a movie with Rex Harrison in the 60s and also revamped in the late 90s and played by Eddie Murphy. He could talk to the animals. And my mother and two of my six siblings have similar skills. Talk to animals, calm them, and earn their trust started at a very young age. Rather than fear most animals, my urge to communicate with them, pet them, and interact with them always far exceeded any fear of being bitten or hurt. Some of this was fueled by my mother. She was very good with animals, especially dogs. We adopted many pets from shelters and even took a few stray cats in along the way. My mother had a gentle touch with our dogs and cats. When my brother started collecting iguanas, turtle, snakes, other reptiles, and an assortment of other odd pets, she had no fear of them either. Me and a few of my siblings followed suit. My other brothers and sisters weren't as into animals uh, or the family pets as they had other things they were passionate about. At times, they might have resented mom and believed she prioritized the pets over them. I've surprised a number of people when I'm in their homes for the first time when their dog or cat comes over to me without hesitation. I've often heard things like this. Oh, she usually doesn't trust men. Wow, she really likes you. Many times they end up in my lap or sitting at my feet. Part of my ability to create this level of comfort in pets springs from knowing how to approach them by letting them come to me without any force. I will often take practical steps to calm them down if I feel they may be skittish. On the other hand, an immediately friendly dog or cat will respond really well to prompts like, aren't you a handsome boy? Or clapping your hands playfully. I'm not uncomfortable if they jump on me or try to lick my face. A weird ability to sound like a cat makes all of them incredibly intrigued. Their ears perk up comically and they wonder where the sound is coming from. There are a lot of ways to make the situation flow and knowing what type of animal you are dealing with and responding to goes a long way. The most important thing to recognize with animals is that while they may not understand words and their specific meanings, they can read intention. They operate quite well at being able to pick up images and vibrational intentions. This isn't as esoteric as it sounds. Human babies, small children, animals, read quite a bit this way. Telepathy is the basis of how we communicate and the bedrock on how language and communication operates. Often in sessions with clients, I pick up on questions they're about to ask or begin to tell stories I have recently or in the past have gone through that resonates with what they are wanting to share. The reverse has also occurred when clients pick up on what I'm trying to say without me even using clear words to express my thoughts. Their intuitive and telepathic abilities increase when they are around me. So much information is exchanged this way between both human-to-human interactions as well as with animals. My Dr. Doolittle skills primarily come from a place of love and respect. I really love dogs and cats, and pretty much animals in general. They are innocent creatures who benefit and assist us just as much as we benefit them. We are often healthier and happier when we have pets. A constant stream of unconditional love is not always achievable with other human beings, but animals do it effortlessly. The times in my life when I felt lost or fearful, especially during my childhood, were often healed by the presence of a dog or cat. My awareness of the influence of animals as totem has helped transform me and many of the people I've worked with. Just the process of watching animals can give us insight and clarity around our own challenges. I've always seen other things in this world as alive and having a form of consciousness, whether they be trees, plants, bodies of water, stones, and just about everything else. I've always known that they have a type of awareness to perceive us just as much as we perceive them. Their vibrations may be slower or different, and they may not think and process with the use of a brain in the same way that we do, but that makes them no less conscious and aware. Some religious and scientific viewpoints have contributed to us thinking of ourselves and humankind as the top of the ladder. This belief limits us from connecting to other parts of this world, Now, if I expected animals and plants to talk back to me with actual words, I could easily be accused of being a bit nuts. I don't. My ability to communicate with animals and many other parts of nature has helped me to navigate more effectively in my life. I never saw myself above them. I've always perceived them as different but equal to me in value. Having more allies and friends in the animal realm supporting us on our life journey makes the journey itself a more enlightened trip. Okay, so that was this month's column, Um, and uh, welcome everyone uh, to the live show if you're catching it in archive, as well as uh, some people uh, jumping in the chat as well to welcome uh, to the show. Um, This is a new column, you know, this is a column that, that, you know, uh, as a writer, uh, I guess it's probably kind of an interesting thing to suggest, but, you know, sometimes I get column ideas a couple years before I write them. I think they're sort of being written in my head, so to speak, over time, and then they kind of immerse themselves when it's time, you know, when it's right, when I've collected enough material, when it's worked itself out internally, then it kind of works itself out externally. Um, So I had wanted to do this for a while. You know, some of these subjects I've talked about in some different uh, columns and in different ways over time. Um, I mentioned in the piece about totem. And, and let me explain what that means. Um, you know, when, when we understand the idea of animal as totem, uh, we recognize that the animals represent attributes of us, often in exaggerated form. You know, for instance, dogs represent um, loyalty. Many other things they represent too, but primarily you see the energy of loyalty. Um, so that's why it can be very telling. People that don't like dogs or are uncomfortable with them or get bitten by dogs or have discomfort with dogs, it often suggests that they may have an issue with loyalty. Um, it could be that they're overly loyal, like a beaten dog, and they have pain around that, or it could be that they don't have enough understanding of how to be loyal and to use that attribute. It can go either way. It just depends on the circumstance of an individual. But all animals, of course, represent energy of totem. So that's another element that's really powerful about understanding and working and and communicating with animals that way, too. Uh, It really does add another dimension to our own lives uh, in in terms of insight. You know, I always notice when I start seeing a lot of dogs and I'm getting bombarded by dogs, it usually means I'm kind of going through a process where I'm contemplating uh, whether I want to be committed and loyal, again, in a relationship or circumstance or situation, and even looking at that attribute in myself. So you know, dogs and cats have different energies they represent, but again, this can stretch out to cows and, and butterflies and, and, and all kinds of different animals and beings in, in those particular realms. I work with a great set of cards called Druid an Animal Totem cards that I work with for myself and, and absolutely use to work with other people to help gain insight into the lives and navigate more effectively. One of my favorite uh, readings, do when I work with people that way is to work with animal totems. But so anyway, kind of getting back to this whole Dr. do little idea, you know, like I talked about in the piece, yeah, I, I mean, even as a, you know, even as a young kid, I guess for me, um, I just, I maybe I just had a weird, what I call older soul point of view in how I looked at life. I, I mean, I, to some extent, I saw everything as alive. I think even little kids do this to some extent. You know, like when they collect rocks and things like that, part of it is because it's beautiful, but sometimes... You know, it's that attachment to the energy that the rock will will vibrate. You know, so many people would say, "You know, listen, rocks are not alive," and and I'm not saying that they are. They don't think. They don't have brains. They don't. They don't. (laughs) The consciousness is different in that sense, but it is a consciousness. The rock is aware of itself as a rock. You know what I mean? It just doesn't think in the way that we necessarily do. So it's a more extreme example. But the same thing with plants and animals and, and, and all kinds of things, as I mentioned in the piece. I guess for me, I always kind of perceived that there was life force at some levels in, in, in almost everything in that way. So that was an element of, of respect that I had, even somewhat as as a young child. Um which made me feel like a weirdo, of course, but that was among many, many things. And being old enough now to look back on that and realize that that was a good thing. Um, But animals in particular are probably an easier type of consciousness for us to kind of tap into and connect with. And again, for me as a kid, you know, uh, my mom was really, we always had um, shelter pets. We always usually had two dogs. Occasionally we had three, but usually it was two during my childhood. And when one dog passed, We'd go get another one, and go to the uh, the animal shelter, and, and or, you know, and adopt a pet. Um, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it was a really lovable, kind of wonderful thing that my my mother did. But like I said in the piece, which I joked about, was um, you know, some of my brothers sisters, you know, felt she was more affectionate to the dogs and cat. Uh, necessarily them, and there probably was some truth in that, by the way. But uh, two of my other siblings, too, kind of carried suit in the way that I did. Uh, one of my sisters, her job is she is a professional pet sitter. She watches and takes care of people's pets in her home or in their home. And uh, my brother um, is uh animal handler at, in, in the L.A. airport and has actually uh, done some work with Animal Planet and things of that. Nature as well, too. He's more His thing as those reptiles. He likes all kinds of animals and very knowledgeable about it. So for me, um, I just always had this kind of rapport in that sense. You know, I don't have bad stories in my mind as a child connected with my dogs or cats. We had more dogs than we had cats. We did have cats, too, too. Um, they just were kind of my friends, you know what I mean, <laughs> in that sense and I still was feel sorry. I just have never had any type of encounter where I was bitten by a dog or attacked by a dog or scratched by a cat, I mean playfully with my cat, I mean occasionally I've gotten scratched by cats playfully, but I always recognized it was more accidental on their part, you know what I mean that they were not intentionally attempted to do it. But I never have been really really hurt by them. They mentioned this in other shows too. Up until about the age of thirty, I was actually allergic to cats. Um, never dogs, but I had cat allergies as a kid, which was interesting because when you, if you study sort of Jewish tradition about cats, cats to a large extent represent intimacy and detachment, kind of in a balanced kind of way. Very interesting stuff. Uh, I could get into about cat. Consciousness and what it ultimately represents, but for lack of time, we won't get into too much of it here. But um, I, I may have mentioned this before too. I, I absolutely was allergic to cats, and now I'm kind of not. Um, and, and people have often really kind of wondered about that. Um, I, I just got a cat when I was about 31. I had a relationship with, we had, uh, and I had lived with someone who had a cat, and then when we broke up, I kept the cat. Kept the cat in the in the breakup. Um, as well and, and just because I really wasn't, the catalogies weren't bothering me anymore and they were bad bad, 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 bad there's multiple reasons behind that there's a past life story that I was aware of that was connected with this but I really ultimately what it was behind it anyway in the larger picture was I was very very uncomfortable with intimacy um, when I was younger uh, I had a lot of fear around that, I had self-worth issues and things of that nature that, that made me fearful of being vulnerable in that way, and, and cat allergies and cat discomfort often does represent an element of that. So when I cure that, I cured the cat allergy, or, or vice versa. That, you know what I mean? So those are those are issues that don't really relate to me as much, you know, in this time in this place. But so getting back to the whole issue about communicating with animals and and all of this this kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, it can seem very odd or very weird. You know, it was funny because there is always sort of a an interesting pattern behind um, the different columns that I run. Uh, I've mentioned this in other shows. Because I have about 15, about 1,600 1, people now that get my monthly mailer and newsletter. Uh, you know, of course, in a practical sense, you know, every couple of months someone has to be removed from the mailing list. And I have that listed at the top of the page. If anyone wants to be removed, no explanation, just say unsubscribe. But this one I got quite a few. That unsubscribed after this. So, definitely, I can't really imagine it that it was a column that necessarily offended anybody, probably. So, it just may have been that collective of people that just didn't want to get this anymore. Or maybe some people read it and thought that I was nuts. Um. <laughs> Adios, you know what I mean? And that's the my, my perception of that, which to me is very funny, because I don't, I think not being aware of other consciousness in terms of animals, plants, trees, and things of that nature, is nuts. You know, they're alive things in their own way, in that sense, and and, and they and there really is a tremendous value in tapping into that energy from time to time. I'm going to read something else I put in the column that's a quote from uh, the channel mature from Jane Roberts in a few minutes, which is really awesome, which will help kind of clarify this point at some levels, too. But I think it's more nuts not to be able to do this because... You know, for instance, like I live in a condominium complex, and years ago when I first moved in here, there were a number of different break-ins. Um, uh, a couple of cars were broken into. A few homes had break-ins. You know, a, a number of people that lived here were affected. I never was, and you know, I think that whenever I move into a place, a home, you know, I tend to kind of. Obviously, do my best to make it a comfortable home in a practical sense as well as an energetic sense. But, you know, I have a tendency to sort of communicate, so to speak, with the plants, the trees, things around my space where I kind of sort of acknowledge them. Again, I'm not talking to them in a direct sense. It's just more I acknowledge that. And I often will ask the the, the nature spirits, the um, the, the devic energy connected with those things to, to watch my home to protect it. In that sense, in that way. So, again, maybe in some people's eyes, it's a little bit nuts. But I don't, you know, I'm I'm the only one that never got touched by being robbed or broken into, or had his car touched. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I just have a different perception, I guess, around these things, even and seeing them as, as protector and and as part of my home and part of my property and to be valued. Um, I have a lot of vines on my stairways on my stairway up to the home because I live in an upstairs unit. And I wrote a piece years ago called Creating Vines, and maybe I'll run that again as a repeat column sometime in 2016. I think I should. It's a very strong piece. And, you know, and there was a point where they had to repaint the building and they had to tear all the vines down. Um, uh, they had to rip out all the vines that I had, you know, carefully cultivated it, wrapped around my stairway. I liked those vines. They looked good. They were part of my home. Um, And it hurt when they pulled them out. I I felt very uncomfortable at that. I understood the larger picture of their death, and I wasn't going to block that. But it it was uncomfortable for me. I felt the discomfort of that loss and that consciousness being ripped away. But rather than bemoan the loss, I made a decision that I would have them grow back. And, you know, I watered the whatever little pieces that survived it barely, and I just sort of visualized... Um, the vines coming back, and, and it was a couple months later that someone even said to me, How come your stairway is like the only stairway where the vines grew back and no one else's did? <laughs> so again, it's like, you know, it's weird, but it isn't because they did, they really grew back, and I still have the most vines of any stairway. Some of the others finally grew back as well, too, but again, to me, it's because I wanted them. I wanted them to be part of my home and part of my life. I thought they were valuable, even though my feng shui woman is always like, oh, the vines block the energy, and uh, I disagree. Uh, she's right about most things. I don't really agree with that. I like that. It feels cozy to me. I'm from the East Coast, so maybe that's an element of having that vegetation wrapping around a little that is is kind of significant. But uh, again, to me, we expand our life when we look at other consciousness in that way and let them communicate with us and communicate with them like i said it doesn't have to get into nutty lands uh you know uh I, most of my listeners and and a lot of my you know other metaphysical companions you know we're all a little weird this way but smart weird too uh so that's kind of key uh so i was i mentioned you know when i when i put the column together um each month um i also uh will often include, uh, I have a channeled column. Now, this isn't channeled stuff that I did. It is basically uh, uh, different. You know, I've I studied a lot of different channeled material, the Michael material, Jane Roberts, channeled Seth. I've I studied so much channeling in my life that, um, where is that? Uh, okay, I've studied so much channeling in my life that uh, I, I've collected just tremendous amount, tremendous amounts of really amazing material, from from different channelers over the years and uh some of the stuff is just so extremely good. So I often put this in with a monthly column. Another benefit to getting the column is to catch the uh the channeled material that um come open oh, there we go. Okay, I'm trying to, you know, find a file as I'm talking. Kind of walking and chewing bubble gum at the same time here. Okay. So this is a channeled uh piece. Uh, very brief, but I, I wanna uh, I want to talk about this because this is another aspect of, of the column. Um, and, and this is from, this is Jane Roberts who channeled Seth in the 60s and the 70s into the early 80s before she physically passed. Um, uh, she channeled Seth. I highly recommend these books. Uh, Seth Speaks, uh, Nature of Personal Reality, uh, The Unknown Reality, a number of series in the Seth books that were just amazing. And they have all been reprinted so you can access them. Uh, but you would definitely want to start with Seth Speaks and follow that with uh Nature of personal reality, which is probably about the best book I think I've ever written, R- written. I wish uh read <laughs> okay, so this is Seth on Early Man and the Birth of Languages quote he says data or information you say is stored in the chromosomes strung together in a certain fashion now biologically, that is direct cognition. the inner sense is perceived directly in the same fashion to you to you, language means words. Words are always symbols for emotions or feelings, intents, or desires. But direct cognition did not need the symbols. The first language, the initial language, did not involve images or words but dealt with a free flow of directly directly cognitive material. Example, a man wondering what it was like, what a tree was like, became one and let his own consciousness flow into the tree Man's consciousness mixed and merged with other kinds of consciousness with a great curiosity of love. A child did not simply look at an animal, but let its consciousness merge with the animal's. And so to some extent, the animal looked out through the child's eyes. In ways most difficult to explain, man absorbed an animal's spirit before he killed it, so that the animal's flesh then the hunter believed that he was giving the animal a new focus of existence. He could draw on the animal's strength and the animal could join in human consciousness. Nature and spirit, therefore, were one. Okay, so this is a channeling quote from Seth in the book, The Nature of the Psyche. So I want to talk about both these things in more detail. Um, I see I'm getting some callers. Uh, Today is a live column read show. I will not be taking calls today uh, because when people call, they, they want to ask for mini readings, and that's not the uh, purpose of, of today's uh, show. Uh, I will be doing uh, an astrolog- astrological update next Thursday, and that halfway through that show, uh, the last 15-20 minutes, I will take live calls. But I, I never take live calls. To the column call reach shows. I, I wish I could, uh, but uh, if people were going to ask questions about the subject, but but people don't, and then, and then I get off off task. So I, I want to cut it down on this. But again, absolutely call in. Uh, next week for next week's show because uh, I will be able to take some calls then and I, I love doing it. Uh, okay, so let me talk a little bit about this piece and what he's saying here. So He's talking about um, the, the birth of language in that sense. so from an early man, ultimately, that was kind of the way it operated rather than necessarily... Because we look when people see movies and things like Caveman and stuff and them grunting and groaning, we all laugh at how silly and dumb and unevolved they were. But what Seth was saying was... They communicated differently. Again, when you were explaining or understanding a tree, you merged your consciousness with the tree, and to some extent, became tree temporarily in that way, or merge your consciousness with the stream. In that sense, so it's an interesting idea because, again, in some respects, it does make sense. If, if any any of you, anyone who remembers being a child, will realize that you you did this, guys, when you were a kid. You did this. You you merge your consciousness in some ways with the flowers or the field or the grass. It was different, um, it, you know. It, it, but when we when we learn language, um, some of us still retain these abilities, but we mostly move away from that because language then replaces that ability to merge consciousness. So, um, you know, it, it's fascinating because I do remember as a kid, you know, like playing and running around and then falling on the lawn and laying with my back on the lawn, and, and I felt the feeling of the, the, the lawn embracing me. I felt the feeling of the earth itself. You know, it's almost like I merged with it for a while in that sense. Um, and then, of course, I wanted to play another game and I got back up or some friend of mine taunted me or, you know, some other thing that got us back into the, into the world in that practical way. But again, this isn't as esoteric as it sounds. And that way, because we do this, and very, very small children do this very, very naturally. So the other point that he brings up here, which is, is really significant, is the idea behind eating eating meat. Um, and I will eventually write a column about my perceptions of, of vegans and vegetarians and all those things as well, too. And I have great respect for vegetarians. Um, I, I've tried to be one, but I, I can't. Uh, you know, when I find is when I don't eat meat, I don't eat very much meat, by the way, at all, but I do eat meat. Uh, I typically get, you know, more brain-fed, you know, stuff where I know the animals is treated so much more positively, um, and I don't eat very much of it. But I do eat meat because it, I find that when I didn't eat meat, I get ungrounded. I get too spacey. I almost become too spiritual. I think that meat grounds you to some extent. But I have great respect for people that can give it up. Veganism is a little different for me. I have respect for that, too. But I I almost, I don't know, for me, veganism is is a little more on the extreme and and more difficult to pull off. Uh, But again, also respect for that. Um, But the idea he talks about here is that, you know, before before the hunt would occur, you know, they would ask the goddess of God in the first place about taking an animal from the herd sustenance. So it was a completely different type of a process, but also the perceptions were different. If a man killed a deer, in that sense, he ate, he used all parts of the deer, in that sense, it fed the family, but to some extent, the idea behind it was that the deer's energy would then merge with man's, and the deer would become part of you at that level and look out through your eyes to some extent as well. So this is, again, very interesting uh, ideas here. Again, when I read this, Many, many years ago it made total sense to me. I thought see, this is the misperception that people are having about about understanding this concept now, in a modern era with tremendous overpopulation and absolute mistreatment of animals, you know so much of this natural order of things has been completely removed uh you know to me, again, an animal living on a farm, being treated reasonably well, living a comfortable life, and being quickly slaughtered in that sense it, 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 it is efficiently as quickly as possible to feed is somewhat natural but you know keeping you know 400 uh, you know calves stuck in a small bunch of pigs that can't turn around it is just sickening at every level so to me I, you know I, I absolutely understand this disdain for the mistreatment of the consciousness of animals again this is what always amazed me about the seth material really she's been a couple of paragraphs this is brilliant Uh, in this sense, um, uh, what he's talking about here, about the merging of consciousness. So that's what I think, like I said, even before I read the Seth material and I learned a lot of this stuff, I had a disposition toward a lot of this, again, very, very naturally in that sense because I, even in the most simplistic ways, you know, when it came to to dogs, cats, animals in general, I always had kind of a weird natural pore. Um, I remember feeding squirrels as a small child you know, before someone told me that I could get bitten and get rabies and then I became terrified of them. But uh I remember that. I always was good at this. Um, you know, just I mean, we totally weird kid. I remember once my dad asking me to paint the fence in the backyard, which I hated doing, but I did it. I didn't have a choice in the matter for the most part when you're eleven. But uh <laughs> but I had to paint the fence. And every time I ran across like a spider web, you know paint one part of the fence, and then I would catch a spider in a cup, and I'd move it to the dry, painted spot so I could move its home, and then I would finish painting. So it took me a little longer. Um, you know, I don't want to claim sainthood. I, there were times when I did some rough things to, uh, to small animals and, and things like that, mostly bugs, never small animals when I was a kid, but for the most part, I really didn't do those things. I was always very sort of gentle with not really wanting to kill things or affect them, and certainly not. And then again, it would have just probably been bugs, even though I didn't even do that that often. I remember the kids catching fireflies on Long Island where I grew up and, and, and smearing the glow part of them on them and killing them that way. And I, I think I did it like once, one two times, and I just was so uncomfortable with it. You know, just a couple of minutes, I get to smear its glow on me, and then it dies. I don't like it. I mean, so I was always kind of a weird kid, um, but in a good way. So when I when I read this material and I learned this, I felt interesting. Again, what I thought made me odd or weird really was really an advanced kind of level of consciousness of understanding. But see, the benefit of of communicating with animals and live things and having respect for them is also not just to treat them better, but it also ultimately is for us too. In in that sense, because we gain a lot the assistance and help of of animals and live things in ways we often can't really always necessarily even understand. Um, you know, I always tell people, you know, every once in a while I encounter someone who uh, uh, will will kind of would like to have a session with me, but they can't afford it financially. Uh, and on a side note, I'm actually going to write a book I'm in the process of starting it to teach people how to manifest total prosperity in their life. Because uh, I I know how to do this. It's a change in perception of multiple things. I'm going to write this book. But... I get people that time to time, again, they're kind of in a tight spot. They can't afford it. They can't swing it and all the things. And one of the things I always say to people like this is I say, listen, if you can't really directly afford a session with me in that way. Um, there's a number of ways you can get insight that don't have anything to do with me. Um, one, you know, you can train yourself to read cards and oracles and things of nature, get books, learn how to do all this stuff, spend the time learning how to do it. Uh, but it can even be easier than that. One, I mean, I write a monthly column, read my columns. Um, I do radio shows, listen to my radio shows. Um, There's a number of things that I do, uh, posts I do on Facebook. I do a lot of stuff for nothing. And that says, so if you read my columns, you read my books, you're going to get a lot of this insight very inexpensively or basically for nothing, you know, in most cases. If you're getting the monthly column, you're reading the books before they're ever even in print, because that's what my books are. They're usually a collection of my columns. So there's so many ways to do that. But here's another idea guys that you can also consider in that respect as well too but you know there it's sometimes so much insight can come just from like paying attention to nature itself you know uh, watching an anthill, watching the way cats interact with each other uh, watching birds I mean it, it's again it sounds goofy but it's not it, it, we often get clear when we watch animals and and interact with nature in that way. And, And for the most part, it's free. You know, it doesn't cost anything for us to do this in that sense, to pay attention, to become aware. You know, listen, when you see a hawk in the sky, even if you don't know what a hawk means, you better believe there's something inside of you that says this means something. So, here's the trick. Go online and type in hawk as totem. Totem Animal Hawk, and you're going to get all kinds of blog columns of information about what that means and what this influences. And so here's a little key for, again, a lot of people that, like I said, can't necessarily swing having a, you know, a session with me. Again, if you can, then, then I do this work and I help to see this stuff, um, and that's what I do for a living, and I like doing it. But if you can't at this point in your life, um, you know, that that's, again, that's a great way of doing it. Look, if you keep seeing... Uh, uh, fireflies, if you keep seeing hummingbirds, if you keep noticing cats, if you, you know what I mean, if you there's messages in this stuff, and like I said, all it does is take the ability to kind of, you know, check it out online and and in other places, and and again, most of this information is going to come completely free, you know, in in terms of being able to access it. Uh, You know, I wrote a piece about a coyote collision I had a couple of years ago, which was really fascinating, because I didn't really know much about totem of coyote, and I had a a really trippy encounter with a coyote where I almost hit one with my car. Thankfully, I did not, but it did really mess up my car to some extent because I dodged hitting it. But it was so fascinating to find out what coyote meant as totem and how that was affecting me, and it was really one of those really direct encounters in that way. But even at a really kind of simplistic human level, um, you know, listen, people who have... A dog or a cat and pets tend to kind of be somewhat healthier in that sense because the animals, to some extent, do a lot of transforming of illness and energy within us as well, too. Now, I've got a client right now that his wife now has six dogs. She keeps rescuing more dogs, and his house is now full of dogs, kind of destroying <laughs> their marriage, sadly. Uh, but, you know, listen, she's a wonderful person, but that you can kind of get extreme, I think, uh, as well, because I know, uh, listen, I'm the same way. I have one cat, and and there's the bunch of ferals I mentioned. I mean, most of those cats would kill to come in here and be part of my home, but I can't let that happen. So I do my best to take care of them within reason outside, uh, but I can't have a house full of cats. I have a home office. You know, people are allergic to cats. Me having one cat, I can clean up after another. You know what I mean? And in that sense, plus my cat is 13, and would not want another cat to come in. Although uh, I can, if I really wanted to, I'd make it work out uh, in that sense as well. But again, just being practical about it. But yeah, there are great benefits to to, to having pets at, at multiple levels. You know, like I even said in the piece, I remember this as a kid. I didn't always get total love from my family or my friends or life itself, but I always had total love from my dog uh, or the cat or, you know what I mean? It, you know, there's something about that energy Of unconditional love itself is very transforming but the key is this and I want to kind of finish up with this this note and then uh, we're gonna want to kind of wind up the show here today but um, I think the main thing is understanding the idea of having respect period Uh, respect for other forms other life uh, certainly respect for people but respect for the planet respect for uh, other life forms and energies, and, and, and not thinking of ourselves as better than them in that respect. We just have this tendency as human beings to do this. Um, I'm better because I make more money. I'm better because I'm this race. I'm better because I'm this religion. I'm be- better because I'm not this religion. I'm, be- I'm better because I don't make a lot of money. I, I be- we we do this, I, I, and we do it obviously amongst ourselves, but we also do this again with animals. You You know, it's that idea that humans have dominion over the animals, uh, okay, you know, um, you know, what if we were cooperative and we coexisted together and thought of it more from that angle and that perspective? And I'm telling you, really great blessings and positive things can really surface in your life at multiple levels when you have respect for, for other life forms and animals and other types of consciousness. And we get out of this idea that we're better at some level than them, and we we see themselves as as equal beings, just vibrating at a different frequency and a different level. Um, we, we increase uh, uh, you know our, our our awareness, and and we add to the world in a more positive way. And that's what's really what I was trying to get across with the doctor. Do a little piece. Listen, not everyone. Some people are going to have amazing chemistry with babies and children. Some people are going to be really great with old elderly people. Uh, you know what I mean? We all have different avenues for where we do this. Uh, two of my brothers and sisters really love animals the way that I do. The rest, they don't not love animals, but they just don't the way my mom and my two other siblings do. But that doesn't make them wrong. There's other things that they're passionate about and that they love and that mattered to them. And You know what I mean? But that's the key, is, is having that, that level of energy and respect. Okay. So, um uh, listen, if you're I am gonna at next week's show, um, I'm going to uh, do an astrological update. I haven't done one of those in about a month and a half. So uh, it'll be a forty five minute show where for about twenty minutes I will talk about um current astrology and then uh, I will take a few um live calls, uh pull a rune or a card or two for someone on a question they ask. Uh, those are fun shows, so we'll be doing that next Thursday. And then, you know, with Thanksgiving and then my birthday is coming up, uh, Vegas, I go to Vegas on my birthday, and um, and uh, some other things, I won't be back to do a show until December. You know, also for people following my Michael uh, material classes through the radio show, I will be doing another Michael update show, continuing the teachings in December, but I won't be able to get to that in November because of the way Thursday's lined up. Um, if you haven't already gotten my column, email me, venturesagyahoo.com. It has to be added to the mailing list uh, so you get the monthly column. Um, thank you for joining me today. Uh, it was really great to be able to talk about this subject in capacity. Thanks to everybody for um, the calls, even though I couldn't get to them, and all of my uh, listeners, Supernatural Radio, and a few other people that have jogged in and out. Thanks for joining me today. And if you're catching you an archive, thank you as well. Uh, Have an awesome November, and uh, happy Thanksgiving if we don't catch up with you before then. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Cheers.